Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adil Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host, the most as always, Adil Marcy, and today I have the genuine, true, amazing pleasure as I have for literally every week in 2018 of introducing, introducing yet another amazing human being to you guys. Um, our next guest is Carolyn Cole. Uh, not Caroline, Carolyn Cole. She's absolutely amazing. Um, she's basically... There's so many accolades that I can't even get to. It's 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 crazy. She's the CLO, which is the Chief Life Officer of Boomtank.com, which is both the, sh- uh, both the show and uh, just a website that's absolutely amazing. She's a hell of an entrepreneur and also a former um, attorney. A litigate- was it litigation that you actually did? Yes. Yeah, so you were a litigation attorney for 20 years. You spent years in the courtrooms. And this is the crazy thing. Carolyn and I connected through Facebook because... I don't know how we just did, and um, I was like, "Hey, I really want to talk to you because you have a show. I have a show. Let's let's talk about stuff." Um, and it's kind of like an introduction call that we just did. And it, I had this thing. There's only two people have ever beat me in this, and the first one was Tony uh, Grebmeyer, who we had on the show recently, Tony G. Um, and the second being Carolyn, who actually beat me to the phrase, "How can I be of service? Or how can I help you? What's the best way I can help you?" Because usually I'm the first one in there. This time I got beat twice. So I must be slowing down a little bit in my uh, in my in my slight age, um, but no, she just like delivered like crazy at the end of it. Not even at the end, but at that moment I was like, no, this woman is absolutely amazing. I need to have her on my show, even if she says no. I have to like persuade her into saying yes because I know she'll just give so much uh, value. Carolyn, thank you for doing this and welcome to the show. Honor, incredible pleasure to be here, and there was no way I was going to say no to you. <laughs> That's very, very, very kind. So, guys, real quickly before we get started, as always, just a quick shout out to our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BoomTank.com. That's B O O B O O. Wait, O O. Yes, B O O M T A N K dot com. Um, I should give you guys a heads up. My brain is all over the place. Uh, still, like trying to remember the O's. Remember, slight dyslexic, but still again, there's this boom, as in like kaboom, boom tank, uh, T-A-N-K dot com. They, uh, it's Carolyn's site. You can go check it out. There's some amazing information over there and you can just connect with her a little bit deeply, watch and listen to her show as well, which has so much great content on there. Um, I've recently just become a subscriber, so I'm actually catching up with a few things and going to be listening to that over the weekend. Um, and of course, my site, adelamarcy.com. You guys can go there, check out previous episodes and show us what we're doing. Leave us a like, review, and subscribe on iTunes if you're listening there. Um, and yeah, send me an email. I'm always open to uh, hear from you guys. So that being said, Carolyn, okay, the first question I've got to say just out the bat, what what changed it for you? Like you went from being the top of every single mountain as a senior corporate uh, trial attorney, as a litigator, to just starting your own company. How? <laughs> How did you do that? Because most people are just happy being at the top of their game. You just said it beautifully. I had climbed all the mountains I was going to climb. And you and I talked about this when we first chatted. And it's that every second matters, your life matters, and you have work to do on the planet. I knew there was other work for me to do on the planet. That's amazing. So essentially, like, how did you go from... Well, actually, really, that was, that was something I was curious about when we were speaking, was the actual action steps you took, like the actual ins and outs of how you went with, I've got an idea, I want to do this, and then you just made the transition. Because a lot of people would be scared of actually even leaving something they've worked their entire career to get to the top of the game of. Why would they walk away? Yeah, I was a senior corporate trial attorney with Fortune 100 and Fortune 200 companies, right? That's what I did. And it's a great point she raised because when I was leaving, I asked a few people, including family, I said, is it arrogant of me to leave? Because when I leave, there's going to be so many resumes that come through the door for this position. But it was such a calling, and I had lived with this calling for years. It wasn't It wasn't a rash decision. It was a knowing that I was going to be leaving. And the steps I took were these. When I first knew I wanted to leave. I identified that I really wanted more freedom with my time. I wanted to pursue things in my life that I knew I was meant to pursue and I wanted happiness in my life, right? I wanted to live fully and I was working every day of the week, every day, incredible hours. And then when I went into management for one of the companies, it was even worse, right? So I I was commuting hours each day, working, you know, 14, 16 hour days. It was a lot. 
And I realized I, I wasn't going to live before I died. So that became my number one thing. I want to live before I die and do things, other things I'm called to do. The first thing I looked at back when was real estate because the largest wealth in the world has been built with real estate. And that's kind of a, a given. And that can give you flexibility with your time in terms of buying homes, re, you know, refurbishing them, flipping them, buying small estates, refurbishing them, you know, turning those around for sale, those kinds of things. And I was just about ready to exit and do those things. And I paused because I just felt something and I had done a lot of reading on the economy and there were all these predictions any day now, the bottom's going to fall out. And the real estate people around me said, no, no, it will be fine. We've been through so many of these before. Invest now. Go do it. And I had a place in mind that I was going to buy. And I paused on it. And I said, no, I'm going to wait. And I waited probably about maybe 30, 40 days. I said, if that goes, there's always another. It's just like a car. You can always find one. And in that time, the real estate market fell out. The bottom fell out of it right? And it wouldn't recover for years. And then I watched these leading real estate investors scramble. And then I followed them. And they went online into business doing other things. And that was my first consciousness that you could make a business online. You have to remember, this is going back years ago, because we haven't had the internet that long to begin with, let alone internet business. And internet business to begin was warrior forum, forum, affiliate links, you know, selling blenders on Amazon, those kinds of things. And then it transformed into larger businesses and the businesses we know today. So I watched these people and I followed them. I mean, we were friends and I watched them carve out different businesses in a whole new space online. And that's how I found online. And it was probably about three years after that, that I, and I kept watching and studying. I saw Pat Flynn when he was just starting. I saw Danielle Laporte when she was just starting. I saw all these people just starting and I watched what they did. And I said, that's doable. And that's how I made my decision. That's incredible. I actually still remember Danielle Laporte when she first started out because I think I was one of the first people she followed on uh, on Twitter. I think she only had like 100 people on her uh, following list at the time. Like, she was following. So that was quite interesting. And then um, I remember reaching out to her a couple of times and we never really got to speak because I knew that she was just determined on doing everything. And I remember thinking to myself going, why are they adding me? Just an interesting thing. And but- what did you decide? Hmm. Oh, you're special, right? Oh well, years later, now looking back at it, where I am in my career, I was like, back then, I was, I would call, like, I don't like the term, I, I love the term warrior, but I dislike how it's overly used and underly appreciated, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> by warrior, I literally mean by the old ethos of a warrior's code. That's what I lived by. So I was hard charging into everything. I mean, I used to take on projects at eleven o'clock at night in the UK and pull an all nighter. And get them done by 5 a.m. I'm talking. I'm not talking like just a single sales piece. I'm talking. I'd write someone's sales piece, their upsell, their email sequence, the lander, the the ad piece. Have it all done in about eight hours and just mailed back to them by the next morning. And um, I think because I was at that level, just constantly charging forward, building this underground name for myself, that certain influences started to come into my world. But because I wasn't ready for it, they just kind of like came in and left again. They were like, "Oh, who is this kid? We don't know who he is. Okay, we're going to leave again." So it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting that you actually jumped in. And of course, right now you actually are, well, you've got a litany of things that you do. But one of the things that really like caught my eye was like you're a certified professional coach. And could you just expand on that for a little bit for me? Because I, I don't know what that, what that means exactly. A great question, because it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> yeah. And I say that literally because the coaching word is so overused. In fact, it's one of the last things that I use in you know, a description of myself on LinkedIn and other platforms. Because for me, having over 10,000 experts, witnesses, and clients in that legal career, and it's well over 10,000. I just stuck at 10,000 because people would believe that. If they knew the real number, they wouldn't. And I say I worked with people for over 25,000 hours, you know, getting them ready for courtrooms, you know, dissecting stories asking stories, having them tell stories, not stories, but their, their facts. And 
people wouldn't believe it was over 25,000 hours, but that was all coaching. And I never coached anybody to say anything in a courtroom. I was known for saying the facts are friendly. I don't care how bad they are. We will tell the truth and we will prevail. And that's what we did because you have to, in life, even with ourselves, we have to own every piece of it. And when we do, we're stronger and we prevail. So with the piece about professional coaching, it's for me, it's, it's really a non-starter in terms of defining myself by it. I am a business strategist. I am an executive and business coach, and I do executive and business consulting, all of that. I put professional coaching at the end to let people know I'm certified in that, but it's a broad certification. It just means that I'm certified to talk with a professional, see what it is they need, and develop a plan from there. And it's very broad. My specialty for professional certification is business. That's what I focus on. But it can be other things. I mean, there are other people I talk to about other things. I mean, there are people, I don't like the word mindset, so I talk about mind, but I actually am big in the professional realm of GoPro now. And and that's what I do own about that title. I think that there is a real problem with especially the online business space in just kind of showing up and winging it. And showing up and winging it will get you winging type results. You're very to deal. You know, you have a structure, you have a strategy, you have an idea about what you're going to do. So part of what I do with my professional coaching is really ramp up that pro visibility, the pro celebrity, the pro about someone, and that's what will differentiate themselves. You know, I go in and I look at what it is you do and what is the ultimate pro in that space. And I love what you said about being the ultimate warrior because it's almost kind of like that. It's it's that striving for personal excellence. You can't beat it. Can you? you really can't. I think we lost you for a second. Are you there? Am I back? Oh, there you are. Yeah. So you're saying you can't beat it. Please continue. Right. Yeah. No, you can't. Like that's one of the big things about being a warrior that I really, really enjoy. And it's um what really kind of woke this back up for me was only about uh mid January that it really came to my attention was a friend of mine, um, also surprisingly both had the same name, different spelling, Carolyn uh Alexander. She actually uh said to me, That's exactly the first time I asked someone, do you say Caroline or Carolyn? She was like, It's Carolyn. I was like, Okay. That's how. That's when we met. I was. I thought I'd ask you as well because it was so uh, prevalent. But she sent me this video by someone called Marcus Aubrey, uh, who also owns one of my favorite. Um, or, sorry, Aubrey Marcus, not Marcus Aubrey. Aubrey Marcus. I always get his name mixed up. He owns Onnit.com, which is one of my favorite supplement company companies in the world. And um, he did this video about what is a warrior. It's about four and a half minute video. I highly recommend everyone go watch it. But he basically brought it down to these six rules that I wrote down for myself, which is the rules of a warrior. And he doesn't he, he says it in a huge four and a half minute thing, but I wrote it down for just simple and easy use for me, is a warrior never hopes, but they have faith. Because the universe only grants you what you what is uh, what you're seeking after or what is sought after. They only it only gives you what you look look for. And the second rule is life is not blessings and curses. Like we don't see the world in blessings and curses. We see it in challenges and we live to overcome challenges. They're not ascetic, but we will fulfill we will we will fulfill pleasure in ourselves, but we won't deny ourselves pleasure just simply for the sake of denying pleasure. Sometimes we'll walk away from pleasure just to prove to us to ourselves that we can walk away from it. The fourth being that we're natural leaders and we have one rule, follow me. It's what we do. It's how we do things. We lead by example. The fifth is we are believers. What we believe in becomes a reality. And because this like, we believe in love, so love shows up. We believe our lives can change through our thoughts. Our lives change through our thoughts. And finally, we fight for love. Love is our biggest key thing because we love to give. We love to help. We love to serve. And that's one of the reasons you and I connected so deeply is because we have the same transistent motion to bring joy happiness and fulfillment and using our businesses as vehicles to either fund uh become the center of attention of that love or in some way shape or form all impact itself so it's, it it just works and something you said that's quite powerful that i'm sure made you stand out was the fact that you guys always told the truth especially in a profession where everyone thinks that you're lying 
And a lot of them do always. That's how I was raised. And I'm sure you were raised with that that certain code. And I was blessed enough to be raised with that always. I, I love what you said, because love is the most powerful force in the universe. We know that the warrior piece. I think that is amazing. I'm going to check that out because I think that's a wonderful tip. The other thing is I want to harken back for women listening, because women may say, well, the warrior thing is not quite me. And it may be I, I'm total warrior right where there with you. That's I, I totally embody that. Right. But I want to give just a quick story of Danielle Laporte since we're on it. Four years ago, Danielle Laporte live streamed and she said and she was basically in tears and she said, don't quit your day job because she was on that precipice that entrepreneurs find themselves. Do I do I stay or do I go? And it's OK to 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 not have something work. It's not OK to quit. And look at her. She hung in and look at where she is today. Right. Totally different live stream she's doing now. But I want to give this for women. Uh, about two years ago, she live streamed and she said, you know, I was out on a beautiful walk and this goes to the warrior thing, but how women can can best see it if they're not into the warrior piece, because this is this is an important one. She said, I was out on a walk and she said, I saw this eagle and I don't know how she knew it was a she eagle, but she said, I saw this she eagle and she said the eagle was big. And for people who don't know about eagles, the female eagles tend to be larger than the male eagles because they're usually charged with remaining on the nest and they have to naturally look bigger to to ward off predators. So they're bigger. She said, I saw the she-eagle. She was very large and she landed on this branch. She did not apologize when she landed on the branch saying, oh, forgive my size. Is it okay if I land here? You know, are you okay? She said the eagle was just being who she was, her full self landing where she needed to land. And I look at that for women who want to claim it because even in nature, that she-eagle does not apologize for her greatness. She doesn't apologize for her warrior nature. She doesn't apologize for loving hard and showing up and doing things in a way that make a difference in the world. I love that. And that is incredible. And do you mind if I add something just from that, that you just truly just touched upon that is uh, so true in my nature? Do you mind? Oh, please. One thing I dislike about people saying, saying this, especially in my company, because I'll call them out on it all the time. Never downplay your greatness by saying, by trying to be modest. In my opinion, is what I tell people. And people look at me weird and confused whenever I say that. And what I mean by that is they'll say, oh, I don't want to be rude or I'm, you know, just to be as modest as I can. I'm good at what I do. And I'm like, you're not good at what you do. You're amazing at what you do. Stop sitting here and telling me this shit that you're just good. Good is like, I'm okay at it. You know, I do, I, I dabble or I have a little practice. If you're great at what you do, tell everyone you're great at what you do. And granted, you got to have the back, you got to be right to back that shit up when you have to. But at the same time, how else are you going to get that? I mean, Muhammad Ali is probably the best example for this for me. Because again, I grew up very Muslim. And again, in Islam, you have to be very humble in how you are. But something that Ali really broke barriers for me in, in my mindset and thinking was he goes, I would tell people that I'm the greatest, not for their benefit, is to remind myself because in his world, he was like, he grew up with really bad self-esteem and being in Kentucky during the time he was in, obviously, you know, it's not the most encouraging part of the world at that time to be a person of color, of a colored background. And uh, he went forward and he would just tell people he's the greatest and people would call him crazy. And he goes, it was just for me to remember. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And eventually I became the greatest. And I was like, that's incredible. So for me, I'm just like, anytime I say I'm the greatest writer in the world or the greatest copyright that's, that's been alive or that is alive, that's not an egotistical. I have, you know, you have the results to back it up. But at the same time, very much like the eagle, you don't want to apologize who you are. You land because you land as a magnificent, beautiful being. Right. Right. And the two competing thoughts, you nailed it. It's that you can know you're great and tell people you're great and that be detached from ego. You can just because you know you are exceptional and you deliver exceptional value. That does not have to be rooted in your ego. For you, it's not. For me, it's not. And the other piece is that plain small doesn't it never makes someone else larger. It only makes you small. That's incredibly true. It's um, the same as the Marianne, Marianne Williamson quote uh, about shining, shining your light. By hiding yes. your light, you can't light the way for others. 
so true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's an incredible thing. Now, something I really want to ask you personally, because I'm always curious about this. What would you say is one of your favorite fiction books that you've ever read, or fi- and fiction movies? Let's do one of each. Fiction movie. I think. I think it's now Voyager with Betty Davis because it's such a story of triumph and it's one of those old classics. As far as you're saying, you're saying fiction, a fiction book. Yep. I want to say it's James and the Giant Peach by Rail Dahl, and I want to tell you why. Please this do. was yeah, the, a long life. Even when I was smaller, I had and I think you share this as well, and we would love for other people to share it as well. It's kind of like a portal. You just can't think small. You always think big. It's it's like a magical life, a magical kingdom where we can all think big and do things. And we can. You just have to see things the way you want them, not as they are to get there. When I was in undergraduate college, I had to do a project. And I did a serious project that was very well received at the end of my four years, et cetera. But I wanted to do a lighthearted project. And another professor said, that's fine. You can do that. Just just put some scientific data behind it. And I did. So my project was on Rail Doll and James and the Giant Peach because there were different things in there that I pulled out, et cetera. And part of that, and this is back before we had Skype. This is back before the internet. This is back before we had great calling plans, et cetera. I had my college budget and I said, hmm, I want to see if I can get Rail Doll on the phone. And everybody said, you're crazy. You know, he wrote Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. That's a big movie. You'll never be able to get him. And I said, I don't understand why I can't talk to him about this book. And I went back to my dormitory and I got on the phone and I figured out how to do. Remember, there are no Internet searches telling you how to do this. I called the operator and figured out how to do this. And I his information was in his book, James and the Giant Peach, where he lived. So I simply called an operator across the water, across the pond in the area where he lived. And she said, OK, I'll connect you. That kind of thing. The phone rang and I said, may I speak with Mr. Rail Dahl, please? And I'll never forget this. He said, speaking. You could have knocked me off my chair. My friends were like, what? And then I interviewed him about his book, about, you know, about Willy Wonka, why I had him, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, because he was there for the filming of it, his experiences. It was amazing. So I have to say, for that reason, and there are others. I mean, there are lots of books. I mean, like you, I have tons of books everywhere. But on the spot, I have to say James and the Giant Peach, because that's a great illustration for listeners to understand that you do create your reality right i didn't look at life as it was like i don't know this man he's across the water i don't know how to call i don't know what to do it's going to cost a fortune it's going to zap my budget for the week you know just these long distance charges i didn't think about any of that i just imagined how it would be and i executed on it and there it was that's incredible especially because you know um i've actually just realized this americans and british people say his name completely different how do you say it's a uh, roll doll over here, like roll as in. That would be, that would probably be the correct pronunciation. <laughs> no, I mean, it could be, it, he could pronounce it different ways because some people actually do. Yeah, I've heard it both ways. Yeah. It's one of those things like some people um, mispronounce my name all the time. So some people have actually said to me, is it, is it uh, Adil or Adil? I'm like, preferably it's like Adil, like Advil minus the V. Um, I used to have like this little joke about, it, which is uh, for my marketing friends that would actually appreciate this listening to the show. It's like, um, so people go, how do we say your name? It's like, it's, it's Adil, like Advil minus the V because I take away your copywriting pains. And they're like, oh, I like that. I was like, I like that. I was like, that's cool. Good. Um, Great. Um, but I used to joke about that when I was younger, but it, for me, it doesn't matter because it goes one or two ways. As long as you know who I am, that's really what matters. And people tend to not realize this. Celebrities are people. Authors are people. They have opinions. They are actually very nice to speak to. You just got to catch them at the right time. And by the right time, I mean, if they're stood there and you can see by their body language, they're like, dude, I just want to go home. I want to have a sandwich or a burger or just something not good for me uh, generally and just sleep and relax. They don't really want to sit around just answering a bunch of questions. But if you see them in a spot like they're in a cafe or something, just having a coffee and you walk over and I've done this with several celebrities in the neighborhood I live in. I just walk up to them and say, hey, um, you're so-and-so, aren't you? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, I just want to say thank you so much for your body of work, especially if you've enjoyed it. 
Um, your body works absolutely amazing. And I really appreciate you doing what you do. It actually inspires me to do what I do. Uh, have a great day. And nine out of 10 times, they always stop me and say, what do you do? And please tell me more about you. Now I'm like, oh, okay. Just have a conversation about, you know, who, what I do and who they are. And I was like, that's really interesting. I tell them how one of their roles impacted one of the pieces that I was writing about. Like for instance, um, I met, um, God, what's his name? Tom Hiddleston, Bendit Cumberbatch years ago. Uh, when they were shooting War Horse, 2011, I think I had dinner with both of them, um, completely by happenstance. And this is when I was like, jokingly still playing around being a voice actor. So we started, you know, messing with each other's voices. And one of the things that um, came up that was actually incredible is they're both A, super down to earth, but B, what was really, really impactful was the fact that I actually used... Um, Tom Hiddleston's, uh, just a couple of years later, I used Tom Hiddleston's portrayal of Loki from the Thor's franchise uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. His his portrayal, I used the exact same mindset, speaking, language, and everything else like that in a sales that I wrote. Um, and it worked perfectly. So it just oh. it just worked so brilliantly. And, you know, it's I sent him a tweet. I sent him a tweet about it a really, really long time ago. It's probably doesn't even remember but it's one of those things and all my friends that have met so like when you meet a celebrity and actually approach from that standpoint of just having a conversation with another human being you'd be surprised how much more open they are and it's incredible that you actually had the opportunity to actually interview Roald Dahl um Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is probably one of my favorite movies and books that would be the that would be the second one. I absolutely love so many messages in that. I'm with you. And I think you just addressed something that's so huge for the audience, and you know it as well as I did because we've talked about it, which is this power of connection, not in an opportunistic way, but really be conscious about your connections. And the reality is when you first meet someone, the the idea is to serve. The idea is also to invite further conversation right? Further discussion to really take a genuine interest, you know, share what you have and continue the discussion. I mean, if it works for both of you, that's, that's the ultimate connection right there. Yep. It's really one of those things that you can actually give that level of connection and something that I'm going to say right now, and I'm only recommending this book because you recommended it to me, even though I'm waiting for it to arrive, I know it's going to be a great book. And that is, um, how to be a power connector is was that the title of the book that's it yeah uh Classic. great what's the author's name again i'm sorry i'm really terrible robin judy robinette r-o-b-i-n-e-t-t -T, without an e and she's arguably the top female power connector in the world she's been recognized by forbes by uh different publications as being a top networker and power connector but arguably the top uh, women's power connector in the world today that's incredible. And that's something I'm really looking forward to actually reading. Now, something to kind of step back on because I really want to like find this out about yourself just more so. And that is kind of the idea of when you're looking through a business, particularly with someone that let's just, I'll put this out there because I'm not the only one that has this. And it just seems to be a theme. There are two themes that have been running through the last five or six episodes of my show that just keep coming up almost serendipitous. Um, and that is number one, ownership which is the big one you know taking ownership of everything you do and the second one which is um to do with visibility and stepping out of the shadows because that's something i'm working extensively on you know for the majority of this year is to get out of the shadows get out there and really share my gift with the world because for a long time i hid behind a curtain wanted to be in the background but so many people wrote in and asked the same questions constantly so i'm going to ask you this question right now if you had someone that was an actual expert or even just great at what they do or even good, let's just say they're good at what they do, but they didn't want to step into the limelight because of some bullshit story they're running in their head as a strategist, what would be something that you would advise them to do almost immediately? The first thing I do is I have them claim they're expert celebrity because I do teach people how to get visible on top of the business. And all of my clients, I run them through not only the business pieces, but the entire get seen, get heard piece because visibility is the lifeblood of your business. 
when they claim their expertise, and I help them with that, and you and I have talked about this, that we look at ourselves in the mirror every day, but we really don't see ourselves the way others do. And you have to be careful about who you're getting this advice from. You want someone who's your biggest cheerleader on planet Earth, not someone who hasn't had their own success or doesn't think big or doesn't think big for you, right? So you have to be careful with that. But when you claim your own expert celebrity, and I'm not talking vanity celebrity, I'm talking about Everything you have to bring to bear, all of your skills, all of your successes, all of your knowledge, and you package that in one or two sentences, you would be amazed at the transformation in the people. Because if you back out of that, people not wanting to be seen and heard, we know that public speaking is a top phobia. It's called, well, when it rises to the level of phobia, it's called glossophobia. It's the top phobia in the world, has been since phobias were mentioned. And, and first mentioned and first measured. It wins the prizes every year. It takes home the Golden Globe. It takes home everything. Public speaking generally without the phobia is a number one fear. It's been the number one fear ahead of death, spiders, and snakes since the beginning of time, people would argue. It certainly has been in modern history, the number one measured fear. And that means that 75% of the population, three out of every four, suffer from it. When you claim your expert celebrity, Something happens mentally to you because when you back out of all of this, it's what you said. It's the head stuff that stops people from being visible. It's it's old wounds. Will people treat me like I used to be treated? Will people think about me the way they used to think about me? Or if I don't think that, will I give them reason to think badly about me? And will I somehow be penalized from showing up for showing up? The thing is, when you claim your expert celebrity, you now begin to see the world as it can be, not as it has been. And behavioralists, psychologists, all the leading mind people in the world will tell you that you have to see the world as you want it to be in order to change and feel the emotion behind that for it to for it to click in. The thing with affirmations is without the emotion behind it, and Dana Wilde, you and I talked about her, she's really good on teaching this, is that you need the emotion behind the affirmation for it to anchor in. And when people claim their expert celebrity, you know, an expert sentence about themselves, a tagline, like me, I say, I was a Fortune 100 and Fortune 200 senior company trial attorney. Now I make the case on behalf of your business dreams and happiness, right? That is part of my new identity. When I create these identities for people, and you can do it yourself, when you step in or get help, when you step into your expert celebrity, you become that person, you kind of live it immediately. And I see people, their self-esteem, it's a, it's a radical shift in their self-esteem. And I have them say the sentence again and again and again, practice it all the time until when people stop you and they ask you, you start telling them who you are and what you do. When you step into that next level of greatness, you are now ready to get visible, but it's claiming your greatness. And it, it, this is not ego. This is expert vet expert celebrity, not vanity celebrity. Claim it and step into it. And that's your first step into being visible. A lot of people don't want to be visible. It is the head stuff, but it's also, they're not sure what to say. Mm -hmm. They're not sure what they offer. They are not sure how to explain what they offer. They're not confident in the business packages they offer. They're not confident they have it priced correctly, whatever their prices are. So they have all these other things going on. It's not just the head stuff. It's the clarity around business. Do you know who you are in business? Do you know how to describe that to someone in a powerful, memorable way? Because celebrity will get you in the door, expert celebrity, being memorable will keep you there. Can you describe your packages concisely and enthusiastically, sharing value and not the features so people are interested? You're not boring them to tears and they understand, wow, you can help me. Are your packages priced correctly? Are you in the right room? Are you in the right ballpark? Are you marketing to the right people? Those are other reasons that people stay away from visibility. They haven't claimed their expert celebrity, which is really your entrepreneurial title, haven't fully clarified how to succinctly and interestingly explain themselves, their business, and what they offer, and, and to be able to explain the value of pricing. And I advocate, you know, high value pricing because you need to make a living. Plus, you're at your best when you offer your highest value, and your highest value is never bargain basement. It's just not. That's always true, and I agree with that. And what's really interesting is what you're saying there is exactly what I get paid to do for clients. 
is essentially just come to me and actually let me figure out your messaging with you and uh, not for you because that's all to do with you but really understand your story and how to best position it um just case in point with that i was speaking to a friend of mine and he's a hypnotherapist his entire business was kind of like hi i'm the hypno i'm the hypnotherapist or whatever it is he calls himself um without giving away his name he basically um never told when he told me his story as in five minutes of meeting this person for the first time i could tell this person was a very intelligent person like very intellectually intelligent and they get bored easily and they're just that type of person that has to constantly keep their brain active within 20 minutes i found out exactly what military positions they'd gone through how they basically went there what their skill set was every single thing i said none of your business has any of this to do with what you've said mm. he goes what do you mean it's like you're leaving all this out there because you're a hypnotherapist that helps people condition their mind and stuff i'm like don't you just something i'm gonna give away it's like don't you think knowing how to create counterintelligence and how to basically use that kind of run run that operative is the exact same stuff that you would need to actually talk to yourself but when your brain starts giving you negative intelligence on about yourself the movements that you have the counterintelligent hypnotherapist that I am will give that give you the exact keys of how to program it so you can actually stay one step ahead of your own brain. And he was that, like, what's, say that again? That, that what you have just done, that is it. With your expert eyes, you saw that because that's the branding piece, isn't it? And I don't like to typically use branding because then people stop listening, right? Yeah. But what you've just done is exactly it. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those little things that you just look at and people are like, Oh, no way. I was like, it's the thing. You got to understand your, you got to understand your story. And sometimes it doesn't sound great to you because you don't really believe it, but eventually you will because people actually like give you a great response to it. Now, one of the things I really wanted to ask you in particular was to do with what you found. What was the most enjoyable thing you found working? I know we're talking more about just a little bit about, um, you still being a lawyer when you were a, a litigation attorney, what was one of the more interesting cases that you worked on? You can actually talk about like, what was it about that made it fun is why we want to know. I don't know about fun, but I do know about challenging and I do know kind of about life changing. And I, early on, I did criminal defense work as well. So I have a lot of really interesting stories from that time, real human interest stories. But I think this one I, I, I want to share, and I'm still an attorney, by the way, once you're an attorney, you're always an attorney. So I keep my license active um, because you just don't know what cause later may need your help. And I want to be able to give that. So the, the story is, it, and, and I dealt with all kinds of litigation, all right? If there were explosions, I dealt with that. If there were, um, I don't know, serious loss of limb, life, that kind of thing, I dealt with that. For New York Minute, I dealt with medical malpractice. So I dealt with bigger issues. I dealt with businesses that, were, that, that had different things happen with their businesses, things like that. One of the things that was really interesting, and I had to bring in 17 witnesses, and I think I brought in like maybe nine or 10 experts. So it, it went to this one guy who for his entire life had made money going into court and making up things, right? And I was able over a period of two years to piece this together so methodically how this was done. And what he had done, he had gone to a very large event and something had happened to at the event. There was a person there and everybody knew him and he had, had cancer and they loved him dearly and he had fallen into the water. Right, And they pulled him out. And then shortly after that, he died because he had different tubes and whatnot and water went into his lungs. And that was it. This person ended up taking his identity that he was the one that had fallen, et cetera, et cetera, and created this whole story and asked for millions of dollars because as a result of everything, he had to have all these surgeries and psychological trauma. The short story is the trial went on for at least three, I think it was three weeks, something like that. And the jury was out maybe an hour and they sent him home packing and his attorney. And he had a very high-priced attorney who flew in on an airplane to try this case. So it, it's things like that. When you look at human nature and you look at the human mind, to me, that was probably the most fascinating because that was an election that he and his wife made to take on a whole legal team, a whole legal army, and believe that they could prevail. It was just, a, and, and the attorney, it was a fascinating window into his mind how it worked and how he brought everything he had to 
Bear from his monster law firm that was out of state. As I said, they flew him in for this case to try and put leverage and pressure to recover a certain amount of money pre-trial. And I will forever be indebted to my uh, my company that had the faith in me, even though there was a lot at stake, to say, you know what, it's all in your hands. My client said, it's all in your hands. Go with it, and we did, and we won. And that was probably. I mean, I had, I had, and this is not ego. So this is important for women to hear other women talk about success. I was one of the I top trial attorneys in my field in the Maryland D.C. area. I had a crazy great win rate for the work that I did, and a lot of that was. Again, telling the truth, the facts are friendly, being totally pro, very prepared, and really digging in with your people to make sure you understand what motivates them. And the same is true now with your work in copywriting. I'm sure you're looking at what is motivating your people, what is motivating this product, what is motivating this course, this program, this launch, this this big undertaking, this big startup, what is motivating it? And we always have to start there. So I love that story for that reason. I hope you do too. Oh, that is amazing. Of course, I totally do. That's just an incredible story to like listen into. Now, <laughs> one of my favorite things there is the fact that someone actually stole someone else's identity and thought they could get away with it. It's just incredible. I had to bring in 17 just lay witnesses, people. These weren't even experts of. Oh my gosh, everything, everything medically you could think of, everything about everything, everything in the world you could imagine, right? I had to bring in people and piece together because what happened to this other fellow who, who, who predeceased, no, not everybody saw that piece of it. They would see the beginning, maybe the middle, maybe the end. And I had to piece all of it together. And at the end, it was so abundantly clear. And I had to bring in the the guy who was alleging this, taking the identity. And, and not his name, but, but factually what happened to him. I had to bring in 20 years of history for him and have that admitted in a court of law. And I found ways to make it relevant. And it was admissible. It wasn't challenged on appeal. It was perfect. And I had to methodically go through... Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of pages and documents, pages and documents, building a profile of this guy over the past 20 years, then figuring out what would be admissible and then having that be admissible to tell the story. And he was counting on no one doing that because for 20 years, nobody did. It was too much work. And it was it was it was a lot. But justice was served. And that was the end of that. (laughs) That was the end of that. (laughs) That is just incredible just even putting in that that work in there and as as both men and women listening to this please take inspiration from that because one of the things that you've touched upon that very few people really understand is being an entrepreneur or doing anything worthy in life comes after hard work sometimes you got to go through the shit storm but then you end up always in a better place and something i mentioned i was talking to a friend about this because they're staying with me there's something called the five paths in life and it's something I'm going to expand about at some point. But I believe that any decision that you actually come across, there are five ways to handle it. People say three, I say there's five. The third one is neutral. You always enter it neutral. Or, you know, right when you're born, it's the first decision is a neutral decision. Then after that, you have good, great on one side. Then you have bad, worse on the other. So you have these five paths. Now, whatever choice you make in that situation, whether that's stay neutral, become great, good, bad, or worse, whichever it is, the next decision that you come across is the one that you'll actually have to deal with whether or not it's in that same, or those same five decisions, but how you arrive at that secondary destination will help you determine what you do. So I'll give an example here. And this comes back to ownership, what you were saying. If I, for instance... Um, I don't know, if I robbed somebody, that's a bad decision. Especially, let's let's say I robbed a police officer, bad decision. The next decision I end up with is, who's my lawyer? Who's the person that's representing me? And I can have a good or a great lawyer, but if I say, no, I think it should be my friend or myself. That's the decision. So I first start off in a bad place, and I've made it worse. And it just keeps getting worse. So the best way you get it back is by making it a game to get back to neutral and then getting back to good and then going to great because you'll always find a way to end in a great place if that's what you desire. So that's just a thought. Now, my other question, and don't worry, we've, we've got like, I've got two questions in particular I really want to ask you, but this one just came up while you were speaking. And that was um, with 
that being a fun story or an interesting story, what's been the most interesting client? Who's been the most interesting client that you've actually come across without actually giving away their name unless you want to? What was their situation and what was the rapid growth? Like this is the person that you're most proud of to work with and see their growth. I have to say that every client I have had has done that. I can't I can't really pick one because and you know what the same is true if you ask me that in law because I had business clients too. I I had tons of big businesses, national brands that you would know the name of here in the states and abroad. And I have to say that for me it's it's almost you know, if you ever talk to seasoned educators, I don't care if they're at the, the the secondary school level, if they're at the elementary school level, if they're you know if they're at the college level, wherever they are, they may have a few favorite students, but by and large, they just love the body of students. And I think I have to put myself in that realm. But I will say that I have clients now who I'm taking to new heights, right? We're going into different territory with the thinking big and it's working. I have to say that's really exciting, but I'm also really excited when somebody contacts me just with the basics and after a few hours, we've got that done. And I'm impressed that they are on this planet willing to accept they can create things and watching them do do it. I'm just so proud of that. That's. I know that probably won't answer your question, but I, I have a lot of success stories, big and small, and they all mean something to me. That's incredible. I love the fact that you have that just because it means that you are more of a caring type person um, than people realize because that's the thing. You care. You give such a damn about people. It's amazing. I, I do. And you know what? At the end of the day, when I leave this planet and I close my eyes, I want the smile on my face to be because I put a smile on others. And I mean that seriously. My larger work, since we're on it, is, you know, we all have the ability and we don't realize it that we in this moment, you and I even right now, we are creating history. People think history is in the books. History is something large and memorable. No, we all collectively are creating history right at this moment. And we can change the emotional tenor of the planet in small ways, medium ways, or super large ways. Ways. But we should always look to use our gifts, our, our love, and our talent, our innate abilities to change the emotional tenor of the planet for good. That is helping because we're here on the planet to heal. We're here on the planet to teach. That's the whole reason we're here. And some people argue that it's really just, you know, healing and teaching are one and the same. However you look at it, it is that larger picture. And that truly is what I wanted to live and why I left my corporate job because I didn't have time to do that way, to, to live it, to think it, to be it, to share it. And that's why I left. That's incredible. I do yeah. love that because that's something that's quite interesting as I have a very similar goal to you. Um, I know you do. Yeah. I, I, for the people that have had it before, I'll say it just one more time for the new listeners. Um, I set myself a goal when I was 12 that I wanted to make one person smile every single day. And I can oh. proudly say that in the last 15 years, I've not failed that at all. I've always made at least one person smile every day of my life. You've so, got me smiling right now. <laughs> that's a good thing. People listening to it, I know they're smiling because that's how they feel too. So all of us can just band together a mighty armada and let's take this thing higher. Hells yeah, that's the best way we do things. Now, we're at my favorite question of the show. Um, and granted, don't get me wrong, I want you definitely back on the show because there's so much more I want to ask you and speak to you about. But one well, of the show, so we'll do it there too. <laughs> yeah, we'll go all around, all around the world. We'll go back and forth. It'll just be fun. But one of my favorite questions to ask on my show, uh, especially guests like yourself, is when you had a situation of confidence in crisis, uh, sorry, a crisis in confidence, where you were knocked on your butt, um, what did you do to get yourself back up? I'm really talking like when life really decided, hey, guess what? We're going to pull the rug underneath you and just we're going to place a sledgehammer on your chest as it falls down. Just let's see if you can get back up from this. What did you do to get yourself back up? Okay. Um, at this stage in the game, I've had I've had my share of sledgehammers, and I know people out there listening have had them. I know you have had them. So without going into the specifics, and here's why I don't want to go into the specifics, because then people in their minds separate and they say, oh, well, that was that, and that's her, and she can recover mm -hmm. from that. So this really general so that everybody, this works for everyone, okay? Whatever your thing is, if you say, oh, that was so much worse than mine, or oh, I had it so much worse than that, whatever it was, just whatever your sledgehammer is to you, number one, okay, hang on. 
Number two, understand that this is life, that as sad as it can be and as horrific as it can be and as awful as it can feel, life is not always the ups. It is the profound swings, the downs, the challenges. And we've heard all of this before, and it's true. Your mess becomes your message, right? Your pain becomes your tool to go help others. From the ashes comes some good, although it's it's sometimes it's incredibly hard to believe that can never be the case because some things are so horrific, there seems no good in it. And sometimes you won't see it. Maybe it comes after you. You're not sure. The way that I got back on is I hung in. And actually, the more you get hit, if you learn how to rebound, the easier it gets to rebound depending on what kind of hit. Hits to the heart, they're different. Hits to the body, they're different. Hits to the pocketbook, they're different. Hits to your career, they're different. They're all these different kinds of hits. But the short story is, and I like what you said about trying to get yourself back to a neutral zone as best you can. Obviously, you have to surround yourself with the right people. And we can talk about that on on, on, on another day, but surround yourself with the right people. And then the hardest thing in the world to realize is that and we know this, we know that all of our emotions are tied to thought. It, it's a thought first and then an emotion. It might be a quick thought like, wow, my hand just got burned, right? But it's, it's a thought that creates all emotion. And when it's, it's okay to grieve, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be down for a day or two or so, but don't stay there. You have to take concrete steps and it depends again on the circumstance. Some things will bury you. Maybe somebody has a horrible illness. Maybe you have a horrible illness and that's going to take different different tools to get out of that. But by and large, even in your darkest moment, remember that you have the ability to shape the next moment. You really can. You can make the decision to shape the next moment. And the way I look at that is to, first off, get a hold of my thought, right? And I, I love this, and Dana Wilde teaches this. She says things like, you know, say, you know what, in this moment, I do feel this. I feel frustrated. I feel disappointed. I feel this. I feel that. Say it. Don't bury it. These affirmations that push the emotions down and, and push them way down, don't. Get them out. Even if it's just you, just say it. And say it out loud to yourself. Walk away from people. Just talk to yourself. Say, I'm hurt over this. I'm frustrated over this. I've tried this. It's you know, dreadful, this hasn't worked. It should have worked by now. Or this, the, how could this happen to this person? How could this happen to me? I'm mad. I'm angry. Say those things. And then as you say, move to a neutral state, all right? Try to get yourself there. And you say it by, you know what? Yes, all of this really is the raw deal right now. But I am hopeful that this will be better. I am hopeful I can change my thoughts. I am hopeful I will feel better soon. I am hopeful this will turn around soon. And I, I, I've seen these live streams where people say, don't use the word hope, take it out of your vocabulary. I argue in this instance, you best keep it in because there's this emotional scale she teaches where you can't go straight from anger to joy. You can't, you can't do that. You have to go along the continuum. And this exercise takes you quickly along the continuum where you acknowledge your feelings. I'm frustrated. You know, I'm tired. I'm angry, whatever it is and say, but you know what? I'm hopeful because every day is another chance. Every day I get to start again. I am so able and skilled I can do this. I know there are medical treatments on the horizon that are that are working right now to fix this. I am so hopeful this is going to happen. And you will see your mood shift in that moment. You know, I and then you move from there to, you know what? I believe. I believe, I truly believe tomorrow is another chance. I have read so many stories throughout time of people that have overcome the worst of circumstances, have come from absolutely nothing, have been trounced upon, and have ultimately found success and happiness. And as Bill Gates said, and as Steve Jobs have said, and big titans before them, and, and leading have said, the people who make it are not necessarily smarter than anyone else on earth. They just didn't quit and succeed. And if you have that kind of conversation with yourself, do it. Also, find yourself who find yourself one person who's a great cheerleader, and not 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 like a. Uh, a willy-nilly cheerleader, like somebody who really makes sense, and let them help get you out of that, help pull you along. But at the end of the day, 
you can inform everything. You really can. But get a hold of your thoughts first, acknowledge the bad ones, and in that moment, start saying that loud big, and even write them down. Find that that chemically changes your mind instantly because, right, and they cause it your own. Just simply is your best friend. It will accept whatever thought you give. It doesn't challenge anything. It agrees with everything. So if you start telling it, I have hope and I believe, your subconscious or your unconscious, as she says, is on board. And that's how you make the change. Tell your unconscious with feeling. And you, by saying, I hope, it legitimizes that you find yourself with you. To say today, I'm going to transition to this amazing person without feeling it, it won't work. But if you start moving into that hopeful way, the believing now, it's a half hour exercise to Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, parts of that, guys, may sound quite distant, so I apologize, but I'm just going to quickly recap for you. Getting into, like, not giving up hope is, I agree with you, is one of the best things you can do because a lot of people say, remove the word hope from your vocabulary. Again, like you, I disagree, but my other reason is because hope is our strength. Love is our most ultimate power, don't get me wrong, but hope is our strength. Without hope, we would be dead. And hope is on the emotional scale. It's a true emotion. It's an important one on the emotional scale. Now, there's a way to, to not use it correctly. Like, you know, I hope I do well in business this year. Of course, that's not, that's not a smart goal. We know that. But what you're talking about, I'll let you finish it. That's the way to think about it. Yeah, entirely. And something that, um, it's it, if you want to trace back hope, you can even look at it uh, uh, with the story of Pandora. Pandora, she, you know, she shut all the evils on Earth and kept only one, and the one that she kept behind was hope. She left hope inside the hearts of men. Uh, and women, you know, it's an obvious synonym for, like, both, uh, both, all of mankind, basically. It's one of the things. And the other thing is that writing down your affirmations, and something I'm going to throw out there, is when you write down your affirmations, write them out by hand. Don't write them on your computer. Right. And the reason is because it's, it's proven that when you write by hand, it etches that exact thing you wrote down into a part of your brain and memory bank. It's just the motion of writing etches that into the back of the brain and into the brain. And once you've actually started doing that, it influences the brain far greater than, say, writing it on a computer screen. Because your brain's like, we don't, we're not designed for this keyboard thing. We're designed, like, to a brain, all it is is just like, I'm moving my hands very quickly. Whereas if you write it down, your brain goes, oh, we know what to do here. This is what all our ancestors used to do. So it's it's a very normal, normal procedure. It actually helps out. Now, I, I feel... I, I do want to say one other thing. Sure. Part of litigation, being an attorney for so long, that is pretty much, that is a warrior form, right? That is gladiator stepping into the courtroom. And it's not a place for emotions and less passionate closing arguments. We've all seen those. Okay, and that's fine. But as far as all other emotions, gone. Right? And after a 20-year discipline of being basically a seasoned combatant, right? I and, and not combatant, I wasn't confrontational like that. I was just, I was just, I was just good at what I did. I started out, one judge described it, I started out, you know, as a, a chainsaw in a courtroom. And in my later years, I refined it to the use of a scalpel. And none of that's complimentary, by the way. <laughs> that, and I recognize that, but that, that is, that is the truth. The thing is, is that for my greatest growth and for getting up from those, those, those bounces you can deny it and move on and i think a lot of us do it and i i don't see anything necessarily wrong with that as long as you truly do transition but i will say this that my greatest growth as an entrepreneur and my greatest expansion and my greatest strength has come from letting myself have emotions like that right and moving through them and i find that i can put them away so much faster get so much more momentum by stopping in the moment and saying okay what are you feeling right now? Okay. Talk it through. And then my momentum keeps going. And I want to really let people know that, that this is the truly successful people on earth from the beginning of time till now. They were very conscious of what they were thinking every minute because literally we function 
in the day, 94, 95% with our subconscious or unconscious, as Dana says. Only 6% of it's conscious. To be really successful and to move through those bad times and to have success, you have to alter that equation. You have to move out of that 6%. Even if you get it to 8% or 10% at the conscious level, your success is going to skyrocket. And transitioning over those bad times is going to be so much easier for you. Agreed. Very much agreed. Now, I was going to ask you a different question, but I don't want to ask that right now. And there is a specific reason. I always, oh, well, I say specific reason. It's more or less just a feeling that came up. I was like, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm going to, I'm going to save this question oh, go for. <laughs> go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. no. The, the reason I don't want to is because what you've delivered is so incredible. I want everyone listening to this to go back and actually implement it before they actually get more information from you, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So right now, guys, you know, my favorite, I'll tell you what the favorite question is, but we're not going to, we're not, I'm going to ask you not to answer it. And that is if you were to give three pieces of advice to someone listening in right now, what would they be? But the thing is, you've already given so much advice. Even when I just asked you, how did you, how did you get yourself back up? You gave the answer almost immediately in there. And anyone listening to this, please go back and re-listen to just that section alone, if anything, and you'll find so many more answers coming in, how you can transform everything around you. Agreed. It's just incredible. But Carolyn, it's been a genuine, absolute amazing pleasure. I look forward to being on your show and having you back on this show again. Um, any uh, Guys, anyone listening to this right now, please go check out the uh, boomtank.com and, of course, the Boomtank business show. Um, it's incredible. You will learn and enjoy so much from there. You'll discover more about Carolyn. And if you can work with her, she's pretty damn amazing at what she does. And you can tell that just by us having this conversation. My pleasure, my honor. And I cannot wait to support you just tons and watch your greatness continue to unfold. You are doing amazing things and you are definitely one to watch. So again, my complete pleasure and honor to spend this time with you and your listeners. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Carolyn. Guys, I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. And as always, check out boomtank.com. Head over to Apple, uh, rate, subscribe, you know, comment below. We always appreciate those. Guys, take care and have a great and amazing day. Bye.